now I'll share with you. And we got to let the, we got to let our children escape. Uh, for their benefit, of course. So I guess up here it's telling you where to go so I don't have to. Because I'd probably tell you the wrong place. Well, I'm truly honored to be able to speak to you today, this Sunday before uh, Christmas. And um, you won't be able to tell it, but I have been a public speaker for years. But this particular call it a sermon. This, this particular speech is, uh, is one that's really coming from my heart. It's something that God has been working with me on for a while, and uh, so I'm really looking forward to see what God actually has me say that's not on my notes. But what I want to start out with is I want to start out with the uh, with the word story. And uh, a story is sort of a narrative of an event. Um, and uh, it's usually compiled of a series of smaller events. And those of you who like to read know this in books, how they start, they'll start someplace and, and then they'll move to another place. And they seem disjointed. <clears throat> I remember, I don't read a lot, but I read, it, read everything Frank Peretti wrote. And in his books, they start out either an adventure or a mystery. Somebody died, and, they're come so, and it starts all this, just, but it came together to the end that the prayers of God's people is what takes dominion over the darkness. And so it was an overriding theme of that. Uh, it wasn't like a Reader's Digest, you know, where it's just a series of uh, standalone stories, like an anthology, and they, they weren't disjointed. They all were, they were separate, but they all fit into the big picture. Now, when we, like I have for years, I studied, and as I've gone to Bible college, and all we can't tell that either. Um, but I, I really, I really did not understand this. I understood the Scripture as being a series of disjointed events, like an anthology, like a collection. And although it's true that the Bible, which ultimately the root word of Bible kind of means like a library. It's a, it's a place where it's a, it's a collection. So it is a collection of all the writings that God had ordained. But it's still, every one of them fits into the larger story. And when we structure uh, our lives on, by a series of disjointed events, we end up with a disjointed life. And we miss the point. But we learn a lot of other things, and confusion seems to reign among a lot of the believers. However, seeing every story 
as a connection to the main story yields a little different understanding. So God writes scripture, had it written down to preserve his story. And what this is about, this is about his story. What is the story? What's the overriding? Um, the, we use the word history, but it's his story. That's what scripture, it's his story. And it's, all, and it's about him and about his heart. And the story is centered on one main theme backed up by a secondary theme. Get this up. My glasses range don't go that far. Anyway, the story is centered on redemption. From the beginning to the end, it's about redemption. And I'm going to explain that just a little bit later. But to grasp the scope of redemption, we need to know a couple of things. We need, well, main thing we need to know is why. Why did God want to redeem mankind? So let's start at the beginning. God created Adam, and he created the, everything. And although it doesn't chronologically set out a time frame, there was some time spent between God and Adam, where, and Eve wasn't there yet. And with Adam, and, and they looked at all the animals. In fact, he, I think God explained to him what each animal was and what they did, and therefore Adam could name them based upon that. But it was not good that man should be alone, so he created Eve. And now the two of them are there, and God is still walking with them. He's still talking with them. He's still interacting because his heart is tied to his creation. His heart was tied to Adam and Eve. And there's something about God's love that I believe it's good if we all understand it. And that is, we can't understand it. It goes beyond. It goes to levels that are just, just out of sight. And we, we make assumptions about God's love based upon our ability or our understanding of the word love. There was, a, there was a story in Scripture where Jesus was going to go to see Lazarus. And when he got there, Lazarus had been dead for several days. And so he went there, and so he was going to raise him from the dead. But he looked around, and he wept. In fact, my favorite verse is the shortest verse in the Bible. Anybody here not know what the shortest verse in the Bible says? Okay, I, yeah, I wouldn't admit it anyway, I guess we wouldn't, but anyway. Jesus wept. He looked out, and what he saw was what sin had done to his beautiful creation, and he wept. He wasn't weeping for Lazarus because he's going to raise him up. He was weeping because of that. That's the, the depth God's heart goes so much deeper than what we know. And unless we come to grips with the fact that his love is so overwhelming, we will never, never understand the plan. The plan of redemption. 
cannot be fully understood until we understand God's heart, what he's doing, why he's doing it. Well, from that depth, when he went to visit Adam to walk with him, he couldn't find him. He wasn't there, wasn't waiting for him. So he called out to him. And Adam said something to God that literally broke his heart. He said, I was afraid, so I hid. That is something we can think about and say, oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of bad. But with God, it was devastating. The very first words that Adam spoke to God after eating of the tree was, I was afraid. So now God has left, in my imagination, he's left with two choices. I'd have chosen the first choice. That's why I'm not God. The, the, the first choice was just to erase man and start over again. I mean, you could do that. You could just eliminate it and start over again. But it's because of his love for Adam and his creation that he couldn't do that. Instead, he planned to undo the cause of all of the sin, on which he told him a lot of things that were going to happen as a result of it. He decided he was going to go another way. And assuming that the overriding story or theme or event must be these two related thoughts, redemption and revelation of the heart of God. Redemption is, uh, here's a specific definition. It says, the purchase of God's favor by the death and suffering of Christ, the ransom or deliverance of sinners from the bondage of sin and the penalty of God's violated law by the atonement of Christ. That's the plan that he said in there. And the energy that was behind the plan is his heart. It's the love, it's the depth with God is where it is. So the story of redemption as recorded in Scripture is a stunning account of God's heart. Reading Scripture without looking for God's heart, you're going to miss the point of the whole story. And just a few examples of Scripture where... Uh, looking for the, for the redemption and the love of God could probably alter it a little bit. Uh, one's the story of Noah. It, it sort of reveals the redemption-oriented heart of God. God's promise to Abraham reveals a step in his plan for redemption. God's placing Joseph in Egypt was part of that plan. Moses freeing the Israelites came from his heart. continuation of his plan of redemption. It, 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 it all kind of fits in there. The reign of David reveals God's heart toward his redeemed. The prophet spoke concerning the heart of God, and John the Baptist said, prepare the way for the Redeemer. You see, the Christmas time, this time of year, this wonderful time of year where some of you have very, very good memories growing up in a family about your Christmas time. 
Some of you maybe didn't and sort of just adapted what's going on around us, and some don't have a clue. They just time to get gifts and eat turkey and stuff like that, which I like. Christmas, the, the, the remembrance of the birth of Christ is the plans, the plan of God's major milestone of the birth of Jesus, who was the Redeemer. Acceptance of the Redeemer or Savior in your heart does something very wonderful in the eyes of God. It places us as individuals on a journey toward full redemption. That's, that's the life we have. That's the journey that we've been giving. Now, missing this aspect of Scripture, I believe, attributed to three major flaws, so to speak, in, in the lives of mankind. Guilt. Guilt and basically failing to live righteously. Failing God and failing people feeling just the, the guilt that you're responsible for all this stuff going on. Not understanding that this is what's going to happen and you've been redeemed from its consequence. Frustration, our ability to walk with God very much. Days will go by and all of a sudden, oh, you know, I haven't prayed today, I haven't done this, uh, that. Life goes on. Sometimes it goes on for years. And the life is keep filling more and more with frustration. And the third one, which is probably the most devastating of all, is fear. <clears throat> That's a fateful feeling of hopelessness and hopelessly being separated from God. We may not verbalize that to ourselves, but as a Christian, you know God is there, but you can't seem to walk with him and talk with him like Adam did. And you become fearful of him. I was afraid, so I hid. And fear generates so much in our lives and comes in all kinds of forms. But basically what it does is it separates you. When you're afraid, you hide. Today's society is caught up in a culture of fear. And the antidote to fear is redemption. And if we miss that point, that that's what God wants for us. The redemption is for us as individuals. It's not for groups or clans or tribes or cultures. It's for you and me individually, one-on-one. -on -one. That was his relationship with Adam, and that's the redemption is to bring us back into that same relationship. We've been invited. God has invited us. And in fact, that's part of the the, the duty, so to speak, or the mission of a church, of an individual church like this, is to always invite. 
and it, and the invite, and we have been invited to begin a godly relationship on our way to taking up where Adam left off, a bonding experience with our Creator. And that, that needs to happen with us. Uh, I, I know it, 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 instead of beating ourselves up because we sin, we do things we shouldn't do, and, and we violated some rule or principle that we've extracted from Scripture, we, when we do this, it's, it's really missing the point, but it's a cause of all kinds of fear, guilt, and frustration. Our role as one who has been redeemed is to earnestly seek forgiveness for hindering our relationship. You don't, you don't ask for forgiveness because you violated some law or some rule. Although you may need that. That's not what the forgiveness that God's talking about. That forgiveness is that you have done something to separate you from your God. And that's, that's the guilt that the Redeemer, understanding him as a Redeemer, is that God says, that's going to happen, but you've been redeemed from its consequences. And so we live that way. Our lives change. Maybe something that we don't know at, at, at this point. We, we kind of know, but then we don't know. And that is how special you are. You're not perfect, but you're special. When God set the plan of redemption in motion, he had you in mind. You are part of that. You're not just part of a, a local church or a big church or something like that and then go off and live your life and come back in and do a few things. No, that's not what you're you're part of. That may be something we do, but what we're part of is that special relationship with God that we can talk with him and walk with him as individuals. So there's probably a solution here that uh, if I had it, I'd tell you. Uh, I, I really would. But here's some example. Here's some thoughts. Here's something to to put in your to put in your life, to put in your bucket list. Okay. And that is a desire, a deep desire, to know God's. Now, here's, I'm going to give you an example of how that began in my life when it, the changes started placing, taking place very slowly because I'm retarded. But anyway, I, I just learned things very slowly and the hard way. But I was introduced to a way of reading Scripture about 15 years ago. And um, it's generally called journaling. But here's what, here's the point, the, the center point of that. 
is first of all, you read a scripture, and then you ask God to show you something special in that scripture. Just you and him. Is there something in here you want me to see? And there'll be a verse that'll sort of stick out a little bit, some more than others. And so then you will write that verse down. And then write down just below it, rewrite that verse in your own words. And that becomes, and became for me, the transforming part. That's when I began to really dig down into it. What, what is it saying to me? And as I personalized it like that, it's kind of like taking a, a page of Scripture that is written on and split the page and look under it. it and what, you know what I found under there? Little bits at a time. I found the heart of God. God was saying, let's take the Ten Commandments. You know, you shall not have any, more, any gods before me. What that God is saying is that if my heart is in you, you will not have any other gods before me. If my heart is in you, you will not steal. You will not covet. If my heart is in you, you will not commit adultery. The whole thing is the revelation of God's heart that caused him to put his plan of redemption in place. The thing we need to know, we need to understand, is his redemption. And the energy behind understanding that is beginning to understand the heart of God. See, but the journey goes on on our lives. But there is a time coming, the fulfillment of redemption. And I'm going to close with this. It's, in, it's found in Romans, Romans 8. It says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning in travail together until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. We who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait for adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies. That's the ultimate plan. Redeem us, claim his people, redeem our body. We can live forever in the presence of God, walking and talking with him and living our life in a way we can never imagine. That's the story of redemption. That's, that's what God has for you. You are special. You can live a life of being special. You don't have to look and evaluate yourself according to your surroundings. That doesn't make sense, really. It doesn't. It, it, it's just wrong in all kinds of levels because your environment does not create you. It doesn't maintain you. It doesn't define you. God defines you. And so here in our congregation, as we come here, we need to come, I believe, as we begin to meet together. We need to meet together to enjoy other people who have been redeemed also. And to just rejoice in that, not to evaluate them, pigeonhole them, put them there, this, that, whatever. I mean, we do that, we're human, but the point of coming together.
We worship God as redeemed people. If we have not been redeemed, we cannot worship God. So this time of year, when we celebrate the birth of Christ, the birth of Christ was set in motion the entire plan of redemption. And the entire plan of redemption reflects God's heart. That information alone should change the way we live. Father, I want to thank you so much for this opportunity, for these people that are here. Lord, help us to understand your word. Just reading it is okay, but reading it to search for your heart is what you want. That's what we need. We don't need to be told what to do, what to say, or how to live. We need to see your heart. As we see your heart, our lives will begin to change to fulfill all of those requirements. So, Lord, today as we go from here and about our plans, we got the, the Christmas time coming up here uh, at the end of the week, and, Lord, we're all excited about a lot of things. Help us to never forget that you have redeemed us because of your love. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amazing flute playing. Absolutely. Thank you for coming out. And I just got to say, I am so grateful that God has given us Christian leaders in this church that can share God's word and truth at the level that Ken just did. So thank you, brother. So good stuff, man. Not everybody does that. So, hey, we've got cookies. And so don't just leave. Have some fellowship and enjoy the cookies. Thanks to Jane and mostly Jane. Kurt helps out. But that's Jane. So be sure to thank Jane and stick around.